Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me, as always, is your other host, Khalid Hussain. What's going on, Khalid? Not much, man. I'm I'm chilling. I'm good. Uh, had some last minute plans that got canceled, but on the good news side of things, I got. A PlayStation 5! Ooh, whoop, whoop, congrats. Yeah, I figured I'd wait like another two years, but me and the roomie, actually friend of the pod, uh, Eric, uh, mm. decided to go half seas, and it's just like an early birthday present for us December babies. Well, congrats, dude. Uh, have you played God of War yet? Yeah, I started playing it. It's really cool. You liking it? Yeah, it's awesome. And um, yeah, with like the big TV and everything, it's just uh, it's just nice. It's It feels cool to be with, with the youngsters on the trends, you know, like PS5s and all that. Yeah, you're hip, or or as the kids say, uh, radical, dude. I, you're the one that is regularly around children, so I have to trust you on this. But I have my <laughs> doubts. <laughs> How are you though? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I uh, I actually it's a double podcasting day for me. I had a, I, I did a deep space love recording earlier today with a a pretty cool guest. I'm excited about so that look for that on the on your airwaves soon too. Um, uh, it's a pretty good day. I think it's a Sunday though, but back to work tomorrow. Nice. Back to back podcast. Back to back awesome guests. I mean, yeah. couldn't ask for a better Sunday. And that's a great segue, Khalid. We do have a very awesome guest on this episode today. Do we? Yeah. I just wanted to say welcome right away to uh, Dominic Burgess coming back to the podcast. Dominic Woo! is a writer, actor, cat lover, geek, <laughs> friend of the podcast. Dominic, welcome. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much. I, I just had to bite my tongue so hard when you were talking about getting a playstation 5 i was just sitting here being like i want to be a part of the conversation (laughs) (laughs) do you have one too i do uh we picked ours up Uh, maybe we've had ours for about uh 12 months or so now um i I i'm not a like massive gamer but i'll sort of need to get it out of my system every six months or so and then i'll be like okay i'm gonna play elder scrolls and then i'll decimate it in about (laughs) four or five days and then i'm like okay now i now i can put it down i don't have to do it again for six months um but yeah no that's my (laughs) method of playing I'm exactly the same way. Like I'm all or nothing just like that, where like I can just go like most of the year not even thinking about gaming or anything like that. And then like one game, this time it was God of War, one game will come out that'll get me just like hankering to play again. And so I, you know, I like allowing me little indulgences. It's nice here and there. Yeah. Um, That's how I do TV shows as well. I am, uh, I saved up uh, House of the Dragon and, and did that in one sitting, uh, I just enjoy it more. I just like want to be immersed. No, definitely. I would say de- uh, if you haven't started it yet, Andor is definitely the kind of thing you want to just like save and just like dive in once it's done. I am doing Andor week by week. I just uh, <laughs> dug a hole in my own story, but that is week by week for me. Oh, that I mean, it's good. And like I tried to do that, like you're doing with House of the Dragon, where like I tried to wait and I was I couldn't remember how many episodes there were. So like by like week nine, I was like, there, there has to be like maybe one episode left. Nope. I'm I'm just waiting week to week now and I'm at the edge of my seat and it's so good. But I wish I just had it all at once. Yeah, I tried to do it with uh, Rings of Power as well. And I was like, yeah, I can save this. I can I can save this for eight weeks. But uh, within maybe 15 minutes of it airing my my twitter feed was just flooded with 
with comments and theories and then I was like oh no I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do this one week by week otherwise it's gonna it's gonna get spoiled (laughs) so okay so Lord of the Rings is kind of a blind spot for me so I haven't really been keeping up with that show but is Sauron hot that's the only thing that I've been able to parse from a lot of the tweets I'm seeing depends on your definition of hot See how my voice went up and up there? <laughs> uh, I have to rephrase my question a little bit more specifically. <laughs> it's like a deposition. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I did watch that week by week. Anyway, I've taken you way off track from the conversation. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. No, that's it's it's good. It's I mean, I always got to start with the banter, like just off-topic banter in the beginning of a podcast. Otherwise, it's not not right, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just easing in. Any conversation that leads to it, whether or not Sauron is hot, in my opinion, is a fruitful conversation. It's a worthwhile one. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, though, so so for listeners, um, Dominic, you were on the podcast on, I think it's episode, episode 24, it was. And if you want to go back and listen to that, that was an interview we did with you about a lot of your roles. We talked about you being in Star Trek Picard, The Magicians, uh-huh. and a few other things. But since then, you've been on uh, what I think since we talked, you were in Dr. Death. You were in oh, uh, yes. Gosh, Our, our Flag doing? Means Death, which surprised me. Yeah. I was really excited when I was watching that to see you show up there. Same. Um, and I think most recently Monster on Netflix, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I've been keeping, knock on wood, uh, I'll take it. I've been keeping pretty busy. Um, there, there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm not allowed to Ooh. talk about just yet. Um and then I just wrapped a, a little Apple series uh, that I've been on for the last few months. Uh, just wrapped last week on, I think they're calling it Mrs. American Pie or hmm. Delacorte. Um, but it's really fun. It's Kristen Wiig and Allison Janney and oh, wow. uh, Ricky Martin. And uh, really just a fun environment with a lot of play and a lot of improv and light and fun. So that's been a, yeah, been a whole lot of fun. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Khalid and I are big Apple uh, TV show fans. They're, they're just like really visually fun to watch too, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, tore through five days at Memorial. I, oh. I just ripped through. I have Severance on my playlist to watch. Um, Severance is great. They do, they do some good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout, shout out to Pachinko. Also another very beautifully shot, awesome Apple TV show. And mm. Servant. Servants, good. I mean, we could go all day. Yeah, right, we just, <laughs> just list them all. Yeah, yeah. Is this a what the fandom episode? Joe? It's just this. This just is. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I do want to say it, uh, one of the delights since you uh, joined us the first time, Dominic, has been uh, Joe and I just like texting each other every time you pop up on our screen and something. It's been really fun just like watching you. And I'm super. I know I'm speaking for me and Joe here. Like we're super excited for you and like all the cool stuff you've been able to do. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, honorable mention to, is it uh, Breaking News from Yuba County? Is that the film you were in? Yeah, that's right. I Yeah, I threw that on just for fun. I didn't even know you were going to be uh-huh. in it. And like, you stole the show. You were awesome. I loved your scenes. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a great movie. Allison Janney's in that too, right? Yeah, it's actually um, the the same people, the same director, Tate Taylor, is directing a lot of this uh, this Apple show that I've been on. Um, and he's producing it and they also, uh, did Ma, the horror film Ma with oh, uh, oh, Octavia. Yeah. Um, and I've become really 
close friends with them. And, and what I love about those filmmakers is, you know, they, it, it, it's almost like a repertory theater where they'll use the same actors over and over again in different kind of roles and they don't pigeonhole someone. And um, they, I, I have a World War II script that I've written that I want to direct and, and they have been very open and said, you know, well, we'll produce it. We'll be your angels on your wings and come to Mississippi and film it. And so, yeah, just delightful, delightful people. Oh, that's awesome. That's, awesome. that's so cool. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, fingers crossed to see this uh, World War II film eventually. Yeah, one day. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's spinning its wheels. I, I wrote it back in 2014. Uh, so it's it's coming up to its decade-long anniversary. But we'll get that. <laughs> Labor of love. I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> Should we, uh, Khalid, dig into the reason we're all here? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, today I am very excited to announce that we are going to be discussing the 1984 horror film directed by Joe Dante, <gasps> Gremlins. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I am. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll save my thoughts until after our synopsis from our homeboy Google. I'm already so excited to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, synopsis goes a little something like this. A gadget salesman is looking for a special gift for for his son and finds one at a store in Chinatown. The shopkeeper is reluctant to sell him the mogwai, but sells it to him with the warning to never expose him to bright light, water, or to feed him after midnight. All of this happens, and the result is a gang of gremlins that decide to tear up the town on Christmas Eve. Uh, that's it. <laughs> what a monster. They're creatures of the abstract, they live off potential energy. It's alive! It's a, it's a pretty good synopsis, yeah. Uh, all of this happens through me. <laughs> <laughs> Just so matter-of-factly, like, yeah, everything we told them not to do, it happened. They did. They did those things. <laughs> so um, digging into the movie, uh, Dominic, I wanted to I wanted to pass it off to you because I, you told us in the last episode that we were on that this is one of your favorite movies. It's a holiday tradition for you to rewatch. So can you tell us... A little bit about why why do you love this movie? Oh gosh. Well, first I have to say that I harbor so much guilt. Uh, first of all, because I know that I promised Khalid uh that he could come over and watch it on the big screen that we have here. Um, and I picked it up on 4K disc and it looks so nice. Uh, and I'm so sorry because I know that you live so close. Uh, but we can do Gremlins too. Anyway. <laughs> oh, um, no, no, no worries. No apologies hey. necessary or anything. Uh, holidays are always a nightmare to plan things on. Yeah, that's the spirit. Um, <laughs> I I remember what I was so young. I was born in 82. Um, and I was so young the first time that I saw Gremlins. But I loved it so, so much that we used to go down to the video store every Friday night. And each week... I would just trade off Gremlins for Transformers the movie, and I would just trade them off week after week with each other for, oh my gosh, must have been 12 months that they were the only two films that I would get my dad to rent. Um, and it's just, it, it holds such a special place in my heart. I love mysterious, uh, mischievous creatures and... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was that, that resonated so much in me. I wanted I wanted a Mogwai. I would have loved a gremlin. <laughs> I, was, I, had, 
I I had a stuffed toy gremlin that you could it had velcro in the back and you could pull open the velcro and two little furry balls would come out I guess that looked like tribbles from Star Trek but then you could turn the mogwai inside out and it would be like a gremlin with like a different kind of material it was very fun wow that sounds like a super cool toy yeah yeah I think I have a mogwai here I have a bunch of the the NECA gremlins figures that I put in my Christmas tree every year I'm all about gremlins (laughs) It's a That's good thing to be all about having awesome. just just watched it for the first time. I get it. <laughs> so, Khalid, you're fr- you're coming in fresh. What did what did you think in your 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 first viewing of this movie? Oh, thank you, Joe. Uh, yeah, uh, I am super fresh on this. Um, this was another one of my blind spots growing up. It just it it's weird because like I feel like this is like that Wizard of Oz effect thing of like. You could have gone your entire life never seeing Wizard of Oz, like a single frame of it, but because of its like cultural uh, significance, you just know everything about it. Um, that's kind of what Gremlins was for me. Like I've always heard of the rules and I know that the Mogwai turns into a gremlin for some reason. And I'd seen like the occasional picture of it. But again, like I never actually watched the movie. So like going into it, like the movie of it was like so just like, novel to me as opposed to like the basic like plot beats that I did know about and so like watching it in like the the tone that it so masterfully just like kind of dances around is it was it was a delight I mean that's my overall uh review of it is just uh I couldn't get enough of it it was so fun I am so pumped to check out Gremlins 2 eventually um Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, props to the director, Joe Dante. Uh, I, I, uh, I noticed that Steven Spielberg was a producer on it and that uh, Chris Columbus of uh, Harry Potter and Home Alone fame uh, wrote it, which totally tracks. Uh, I can't remember offhand who did the music, but that Jerry was Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith killed it. Like real, like uh, what is the, What's the main, the big guy that does like cool music and uh, Elfman, Danny Elfman, big Danny Elfman vibes. Um, everything about it was great. Um, I, sometimes I worry that like when movies use the Christmas uh, as a backdrop thing, that it's a little bit more crutchy than anything else, but it just worked like gangbusters in here. Like they really executed it amazingly and yeah, I'll get into it, but like it was all so fun. Uh, Joe, I know it's not your first time, but how is it watching it now after however long it's been? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Khalid. So I uh, I had watched this movie a ton as a kid, and so I kind of have an attachment to it from that, but I haven't actually seen it in years at this point. So having watching it now, especially after like having a monster podcast and watching all these other movies was an interesting experience. But uh, but I really liked it. I think that um, I was kind of surprised because I didn't about how much I didn't remember about it. Um, but one thing that I just found so cool, uh, like almost kind of what you were saying, Khalid, about how sometimes movies and someone use like, like that Christmas aesthetic backdrop as like a crutch, which uh, I don't think this one did. I feel like it it just did this like really kind of almost brilliant, like subversive thing of like minus the prologue with the with the dad in Chinatown. You could take the beginning several minutes of the movie and like it's it's basically the setup for like a really generic Christmas movie, right? Like, you know, the kid who has like a, a dream to do something. It's almost Christmas. Uh, there's like the Cruella Scrooge archetype who threatens his dog. Like all this like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it was just like evil. But like there's all this like this. The, 
it's almost exaggerated like Christmassy bubbliness that begins. And then there's like then it's just like subtle hints of just like this darker, grimmer element, especially with the with the the, the Kate character who we'll get into. And then uh, and then it's like just a monster movie just like takes over this Christmas movie and like all the like a lot like arguably some of the plot threads that we're introduced to are just like thrown to the wayside in favor of like oh monsters are evading so we can't think about that anymore you know so it's just it's just really clever and fun and it's like monsters plus looney tunes really like the the, the gremlins are kind of like looney tunes in that sense how they like interact but they're more looney tune than than monster so i I, I wrote i wrote down looney tunes because and i found this out in, in research actually chuck jones looney tunes creator has a cameo in the movie in uh dory's tavern in the beginning of the movie when he when the the main character is sitting there it's chuck chuck jones next to him Oh yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was like, "Why are they giving this extra so many lines?" <laughs> yeah. Chuck Jones. So. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. Fun fact, yeah. Fun fact, yeah. So yeah, no. Needless to say, I loved it. It was great. Uh, I think I wasn't prepared as much for like what the like the crazy tonal shifts that we had because I didn't remember it as much when I was a kid. But I, you know me from the way I talk about movies, I love when they play around with tone and the different vibes and themes, and it's it's just a whole lot of fun. And like, of course, the monsters and like the, the visual effects, like the practical effects, are just so cool to watch how they brought these creatures to life. So I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I'm so glad that, uh, especially for, for Khalid watching it for the very first time that, that you enjoyed it. Cause I, I feel sometimes if I haven't seen a, a film from, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago and people, uh, not hop on me, but you know, they're like, Oh, you have to watch that movie. Sometimes it doesn't quite hold up. Uh, for me, um, I remember I, I hadn't seen The Exorcist until maybe I was 32, 33, not that long ago. Um, and I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's it's fine. Like, I, I get it. It's fine. But it, it didn't hold that, um, I guess, that visceral feeling that it did for so many people that originally saw it, you know, in the 70s and 80s. No, I, I can definitely see that. And I, I even get the feeling of like, especially this movie, which... Like, this is definitely a topic of discussion I want to bring up, but like the idea of like, it's, it's ultimately a kid's movie or at the very least, like it plays in a way that like kids are going to love it, you know? So the idea of like, of course, like young Dominic and young Joe love the movie, but I get like that apprehension of like, is it like a little too geared for kids for like a person who's never seen it to watch it in their thirties? But it's, it, for me, I think what really works for it is like one, the whole time I was watching it, I was like. I wish I'd seen this as a kid. I feel like I would be just like you guys and just like a fan for life, um, which I am now as of now for life. But um, I think what really struck me was that like, even outside of like what is very like cartoonish, like Joe said, Looney Tunesy elements of it. Um, they do such a good job with like characters and stuff like that. And um, it's kind of like Joe was saying, where like entire like plot lines get dropped eventually for what is just like a chaotic third act, which kind of dovetails with like the effect in, in story of like what the gremlins do to your life. Like you had plans. Sorry, gremlins are around now. Um, but like, I think even more than that is like, I love like that uh, 80s and a little bit 90s like style of like characterization, which like uh, in, instead of nuance, they just give you a villain that you love to hate. So it's like, whether it's like that old lady or to a lesser extent, even Futterman with like his like foreigner talk is supposed to be unlikable. Um, so like, I love that, like they kind of like, in, instead of like trying to give them like nuanced characters and like waste time on that, it's just like, no, this movie's going to get bonkers. We need a few people 
people that like you could just like have monsters eat and people will, like cheer. <laughs> so um, yeah, I I think I think that like the tone that they went for works really well of its time, but also just holds up in such a way that like uh, I Eric watched some of it with me and he's never seen Gremlins either. So there were so many times where like we just like dropped our jaws at like just like line deliveries and insane sequences that went down. Did you know that uh, this was this among another? I don't think it was another movie too, but like were the instigators for creating like the PG thirteen rating? See, yeah, I can see that because like the whole time I was watching, it, I was again like I thought like feels like a kids movie, but like there's a lot of not kids stuff happening. It's it's very eighties in that way. Yeah, uh, but I, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, it was. We, it was we didn't PG. have PG thirteen uh, in England. Um, I think I think this would have been a. I'm so sorry if you can hear my cat's collar jingling over and over. Um, <laughs> we um, at this point we just had uh, Universal, which was for everyone, PG, which was Parental Guidance, 15 and 18, and I think Gremlins was a 15 in England, and I think Batman Returns was the first time that they brought in the 12 rating. I think I could be lying about that. But it wasn't Gremlins. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, I think this one like kind of surprised some parents bringing kids to the movies, and they and I think the studio got some angry complaints. They're like, "This is not appropriate for children." But I don't know. I guess it instigator to get PG thirteen then. See, I like the the British way. Fifteen, fifteen's a good age. Like that. I, like I like a, that. It's like a couple different variances too. Like, yeah, yeah, you're in seventh grade. Like, what do they think you can see then that you couldn't in sixth? Like, fifteen feels like an actual like age of like, okay, they're ready to see something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, I remember. I think it was ninety two when uh, Gremlins two came out. My parents refused to let me go and see that at the movies, even though. I had seen Gremlins 1 a whole bunch of times um, because, again, I think it was rated 15 and uh, my parents were, were very much like, nope, those are the rules. Um, <laughs> womp womp. Oh, <laughs> I've taken you got to see it eventually, though, right? Oh, yes. Many times. Uh, we, I mean, not to, to go off on a Gremlins 2 tangent, but speaking of Looney Tunes, if you think that uh gremlins one is looney tunes uh gremlins two takes it to a whole different level of looney tunes do they have more guns i just want i just want more gremlins holding guns because that was it never stopped being funny uh i have guns. the security guard has a gun i guess when he first hey i don't want to ruin that um <laughs> fair enough fair enough let me let me they, enjoy it in in real yes, time <laughs> enjoy it in real time because it is bonkers it is off the wall cuckoo bananas but i love it for that as well oh yeah, I've, i haven't seen two in in a long time either but i all i can say uh khalid is it's it just it everything that's the weirdest stuff about one it doubles down on it See, that's how you do a sequel. Why is that so hard for some movies to get? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's uh, that's all I need to hear. I'm sold. I am like, I will probably watch this within like the next week or two, just because like I'm so hype off of Gremlins a lot. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of ratings and stuff, apparently the original script that Chris Columbus wrote was like graphically violent, hard R. But like when Spielberg and everyone got involved, they're kind of like, let's tone it down to make it a little more kid kid friendly under their brand. Just interesting. See, and that's smart. 
You know? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I, I think like these monsters, like you have to make them like cartoonishly smart and like mischievous for any of it to like feel like anything. I don't think that they're like there's enough of a threat there. So like if we're just watching a bunch of people like genuinely terrified of like a little tiny monster that's going to eat you or whatever, I think that you lose a lot of the charm that this movie like comes away with. Yeah, it makes me wonder if maybe he was trying to do like an Evil Dead kind of thing where it's like like a zany Looney Tunes type deal, but like hard R. But I, I like the way that they toned it down. Yeah, yeah, they um, they the way that they play with tone is is really great because it it does sort of build it up to be a classic horror when the eggs first hatch and it's the mom in the kitchen, um, and she's sort of dispatching them one on one. But there's just little. You know, by the time it gets in the microwave, but that the the Christmas tree attack is pretty violent when Billy comes in and cuts the head off one with yes. a sword, and it goes like it's it's pretty violent. The the attack on the mom uh, before you know, then it goes into craziness with the snowplow and Mister Futterman and and the sort of montage and Mrs. Deagle. Um, but I I do like that they just have that you know ten minute section that is like oh look they like. They are pretty, pretty vicious. Uh, and again, with Stripe at the end, with the chainsaw and the saw blades, um, I, I do like that it wasn't just like, they're silly and they're goofy and they're not a threat. No. Yeah. That I, it's again, it's insane. Like how well they like, like threaded that needle of you're laughing and you still accept that like. If you were in this situation, as ridiculous as it is, you, it's still scary and you very well could die. Shout out to Mrs. Peltzer, the mom, though, for taking out those three right away in the kitchen. That was a that was a pretty great scene. I was not expecting that. Like <laughs> right? the whole time I was just like, this dude's, this dude's about to be one parent down. He's just going to have to rough it out with his inventor dad. And, and she was so ready. Like <laughs> right when she hears a weird noise, she's like knife right away, which is that, great. That is an ideal horror movie <laughs> protagonist, right? Yes. There. She was great. <laughs> she and is, the, yeah. the microwave bit, the microwave bit's great. I love that. I just love how like the thing about it is like there's nothing like artful about like what like they kind of lay ahead of you where it's just like all these like goofy inventions and you're just like, OK, those are probably going to come into play somehow because otherwise <laughs> this is a very confusing thing to introduce. Um, and then uh, Chekhov's uh, sword wall art, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> not once, but twice they went out of their way to show that it falls down when you open the door, just in case you missed the the completely out of place in a suburban home sword wall art. Uh, it was it was it was awesome, though. Like I, I for me, it's just like you could be like, oh, well, like they're just like foreshadowing it too hard. And I'm just like, it's about to get so insane that like they need to start a little insane just so that it's not like complete shock to the system. Did you notice, Khalid, uh, speaking of the inventions, uh, when his dad is at the uh, invention convention uh, and he's he's calling home the time machine in the background that is there in one shot. And then when it returns to it, the time machine has disappeared. It's a very HG Wells looking time machine. And then the background is just filled with smoke. Uh, I saw the it... smoke. I had no idea what was happening. I'm sorry. I yeah. was, I was so distracted by the robot on a business call. <laughs> I rewound it. 
Like, I usually am just like, I go straight through the movie or whatever, but like, I had to rewind it just to make sure I was like seeing that and I missed the other yeah. crazy thing. That's that- so <laughs> many little fun things like that. I do not understand. Like, okay, I kind of understand the inventor dad thing because then you've got a house full of cool ways to kill uh, the gremlins. But outside of that, it's just such an insane, out of place thing, which is insane of me to say when we're talking about a movie where he brought home a pet gremlin. Uh, but it's still, even with the gremlin stuff happening, like going back to this convention just every time was just like so jarring. And I was like, that's what he's doing right now. <laughs> Apparently that scene was f- filled with cameos too. I think Spielberg makes a cameo in there somewhere and even the composer and someone else too. I don't know who all, but it's a cameo central right there. I was very, very engrossed with the robot on the business call. <laughs> the so the robot takes the cake. You could tell me Abraham Lincoln walked by, and I believe you. <laughs> oh my god! Robot on the call. That wasn't a classic uh, danger. Will Robinson robot from Lost in Space, right? It was just very That's similar the to. Suit. I, it looks exactly like it. That's what I yeah. do. I was wondering if it's supposed to be something too. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like trying to search it right now if they're if it's meant to be like an actual robot. I just assumed that like they got it off like one of the other lots or something and just like screwed a phone to it. Oh, it's supposed to be Robbie the robot from Forbidden Planet, mm. which I've never seen. Actually, I should say. Sam. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Pretty cool. Nah, cool. I love it. I did think I did assume that like there were a couple of times where the movie took like turns that I wasn't expecting. Like once they started multiplying, I assumed that the dad, because like the whole thing is like he's like this enterprising guy and like he builds stuff with his hands and stuff. And I thought he was going to like just start a, a gremlin selling business or something, knowing that they multiply so easy. So like I thought that's where it was going and then it didn't happen. And then I also thought that because he's like this like gadget guy that he would play way more of a big part in like defeating them at the end but nope he's just kind of <laughs> he's just kind of out you know uh, very poorly trying to like sell these like gadgets and um is it am i misremembering is the son the breadwinner of the house i think so i mean that's what they criticized him in the beginning for like you're you're the only one making money in your family or something yeah judge reinhold of all people yeah that was a weird i mean i don't even know like at that point is that weird or is he at a point in his career where like yeah of course he would have done this yeah, I think he was, I think he was everywhere. Yeah. Um, I I only really know him from uh what is it? It's uh the Santa Claus and Beverly Hills Cop. Those are the, uh-huh. the those yeah. are my points of reference for Judge Reinhold. Yeah, he was kind of all over at that time. His so I feel like with Judge Reinhold and like Mrs. Deagle, there's a couple like plot threads that were kind of like t- like cut out from the final cut. Like he was supposed, and there's some deleted scenes where Judge Reinhold's character comes back, and they're like he's like being attacked in the bank and uh that's they, what i they, thought was gonna yeah. happen i was yeah, so confused so that was delete a deleted scene i think it's in in some cuts of it and then there's uh the one the mrs deagle the woman who's like in the the chair that goes down the stairs that gets thrown out of her window like that she was i think she was supposed to have a bigger part in that she was like supposedly plotting to sell like the town to like a nuclear power plant or something uh, I know I'm new to this movie, but just one quick correction. Um, yeah. It wasn't just that she got thrown out of the window. It's that I what I, I assume <laughs> she thinks Satan himself had sent up minions to get her. Oh, yeah. She did say that. Yeah, that she did. <laughs> that was all. I also rewound that part because I could like it just got <laughs> crazier and crazier within like a second. And it was <laughs> she first of all, she opens the door to dump water on Christmas carolers, which is. <laughs> 
you know, not a great note to start on, <laughs> finds out that they're fully like dressed as Christmas Carol or gremlins that have figured out how to sing parody. Uh, she gets terrified, closes the door. Uh, it all internally realizes that this is Satan himself come to get her for what she at least is admitting is like very bad behavior that she has day to day. And then she gets into the like uh, electric stair chair and gets catapulted out like to such a, a like cartoonish degree, like the way she dashed out of it. <laughs> it was great. I also speaking of, you know, that time machine thing and things that I, I didn't notice until pretty recently, maybe only a couple of years ago when I was doing an annual rewatch that Mrs. Deagle named her cats after currencies. So she has a cat called Kopeck and a cat called Dollar Bill and her cats are just current, which makes perfect sense for this That's woman. That's so just Cats are currency. Money. <laughs> That's so, the, oh, I bet there's like another cat hiding around called Greenbacks or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just, little things like that, you know, that I love and I watch it again. And then you just notice something different or in the movie theater when there's all of them together that you see something different and you're like, oh my God, look at that one. Um, it's so smart. So smart, but so dumb. It's such an interesting element about like Joe Dante as a director. Like he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of a, like a frenetic director, but like, it's just, he just does so much with like every scene. Like, he, like you're saying, like you just keep noticing different things. That woman is Mrs. Ho- Mrs. Deagle. Uh, yeah. Just give her all the awards. Like she puts like she puts Scrooge to to shame, right? <laughs> like I feel like three ghosts tried to visit her and she like called the cops on them. Like <laughs> she is cold blooded in such a fun way. Uh, uh, like I yeah. just she was definitely like my, my favorite character in the whole thing. <laughs> I like she called those little kids deadbeats outside the bank the first scene we see them, she's she looks them in the eyes and calls them all deadbeats that is that is god tier that is so cool she has uh in mrs doubtfire we rewatched mrs doubtfire pretty recently and then i i love deleted scenes and she has an entire subplot that is cut out of Mrs. Doubtfire where she's the neighbor to Sally Field. Hmm. And uh, Robin Williams has this whole thing about all her beautiful plants outside. And then he tells her that she has to put dog urine on them to keep them alive. Like it's a whole thing. (laughs) Um, But she's, again, she's like a a Snoopy kind of neighbor in the same kind of vibe as Mrs. Deagle. But she, she really got excised out of that film, which is a shame. That's too bad. Yeah. There's an hour loss. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I do, I do want to say, um, what was really interesting to me, or at least like, what was like as a comparison that came to mind was, um, when the gremlins are like, have taken over the bar and it's just like pure chaos at that point. Um, I just kept thinking of the congressional scene and, um, uh, uh, birth of a nation. Have you guys seen that? The, the old one. The, the black and white birth of a nation, D.W. Griffith. No, I haven't no. seen that. Okay. So it's the whole thing about it historically is that like, it's like the first like big, like major, like blockbuster style, like motion picture that everybody went to see. It's a, it's a very racist movie. Uh, this is not an endorsement of it in any way. Uh, but like, basically it's like this, like, uh, like hero story about the clan or whatever. But at one point they try to show like, 
uh, what everybody's fear at the time was, which is like black people like getting rights and being free. And then eventually like an entire Congress full of black people running it. And I don't know. I'd be very interested to talk to Joe Dante or Chris Columbus and be like, was this like in your mind at all when you shot this? Because like the way they shoot like the black people in Congress in Birth of a Nation is like so reminiscent of the Gremlins bar scene where like it's just like your worst fear of like your worst fear isn't that like they're going to come kill you or something like that. It's that they're going to take the thing that you love, this institution that like you uh, own and they're going to make a mockery of it. And like that just like really just like stood out in my mind with that scene. That is a comparison I did not expect, Khalid. <laughs> Were you not expecting Birth of a Nation to come up on this Gremlins talk? Did not, did not. <laughs> Shame Poignant, on you, though. Joe. <laughs> Poignant, though. Way, to go. Way, to, way to do it, Khalid. I'm impressed. I mean, yeah, and I mean, I don't think that like it's a completely unfounded comparison either. Like uh, the, the idea of um, Mr. Uh, Futterman and his whole like uh, apprehension of um, foreigners, you know, literally to the point where yeah. like if you sold an action figure of him, it would just be a string you pull and he just says foreigners because he was like <laughs> very, very like headstrong, like concise about what he didn't like and would tell everybody. Um, but I think I, I don't know. Like I obviously like with the Gremlins, uh, there's like something to be said about literally he more or less like guesses right that he's like, oh yeah, like they they have these like monsters or creatures they put in all their stuff and they bring it over here and it messes us up and like that destroys us from the inside or whatever. Like he's kind of right by the movie's own logic. Like that's exactly what these things are, you know? Like they're creatures that can multiply instantly and have like a science fiction degree like knowledge of all technology and can just like destroy a town in one night. Yeah. So that's I don't know. Like I mean, what do you have you have you guys ever heard discussion on that? I'm sure it's come up, but like this like it's I've again, I'm such a outside of it in the realm of gremlins kind of guy that like, I don't know if this conversation's happened or what the thesis is with the movie in regards to what it's saying. No, I don't know. The only uh, other reference to, to gremlins before that, I think was the gremlin on the, the plane in the, the twilight zone episode with William mm -hmm. Shatner. Mm, uh, that's yeah. the only other reference that I aware of without going down any kind of rabbit hole i think yeah it's like a I, I mean we talked about we actually did an episode on that that twilight twilight zone episode too the 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 gremlins like the historical thing it was like this like fear that world war ii soldiers had like that gremlins would get into their planes and mess things up um so it, i think it was it was founded in like a fear of the enemy in some sense but uh as far as like what the movie's trying to say, I, I in kind of doing research for this podcast episode, I did read that there was a, um, uh, like an angle that the script had originally taken where like it was supposed to be like a larger commentary on uh, people who like import animals from uh, other countries and other continents to the u.s for like as like a commodity or like a accessory kind of thing like people who import like dangerous wild creatures that shouldn't be like pets and bring them over and how that can like really mess up uh like the animals themselves and as well as just like uh like our own spaces um but yeah, and i think that's really like, anti-capitalist huh yeah it's anti very anti-capitalist anti yeah and i think there's an element yeah. to that especially when like mr wing shows up at the end being like you guys aren't ready for this like you can't have this like you ruin it um, so I, I think that's kind of what they're trying to say about it, like in a roundabout way. 
I, yeah, and I mean, I don't know, like like you said, like a lot of stuff was like left on the cutting room floor. So like there's probably a more coherent like overall, I don't want to say message, but or even theme seems too strong. But like there's probably an overall idea that uh, was kind of discarded in favor of a fun movie going experience. Right. But I don't know, it's still it's still gave me a lot to think about. But uh, yeah, it's hard to parse like what they're trying to say, because it's like even with the dad, I tried to like loop that a whole idea about it in where it's like. At the very least, like he's like an, um, a red-blooded American trying to make stuff with his hands and sell it. Like that's the way we got to do it. Like don't get these foreign things. Like I don't know. I just – but it, it also seems like Mr. Futterman is a character like that is supposed to spark derision. You know, like he's not – like he's right but like on accident. Like he's like <laughs> – he was so racist he was accidentally right. Like it, it never, at no point did it feel like we were supposed to like be like, yeah, that guy's on the uh, – got the right idea. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I think when I was watching it, like we were, we were trying to, we weren't quite sure how to pinpoint like Mr. Futterman's character. What's what we, what the point was there? But the uh, great Dick Miller, though. Dick Miller's great. He's in a ton of these these uh, genre films. Oh wow! I mean, yeah. lucky him. Okay, that's uh, this is history right here. Like people, <laughs> people will know Futterman for, yeah. for centuries. <laughs> oh man! I don't want to. Oh, uh. Watch Gremlins 2. That's all. <laughs> okay. Oh, my There's God. Is it like Futterman's, is it Futterman's kid? Is it Revenge of the Futtermans? Is that what I'm I not saying anymore now. <laughs> now, oh, yeah. now you just have to, you have to march on. <laughs> Consider me thoroughly tempted, Dominic. You got me. I'm sold. Like you, very, thank you for this recommendation of a movie. Um, I'm so <laughs> oh, excited to oh, dive in. <laughs> um, so I got, I wanted to ask you guys like just briefly, like what, you know, like, favorite scenes are that really stand out to you. And I want, but I wanted to share uh, like a, a quick story I have about gremlins myself. So one of the scenes that when I was a kid, like absolutely stuck, stood out to me and it has a specific reason for it was the scene where Kate, the girl uh, that Billy's kind of hanging out with the main characters kind of hanging out with uh, when she tells the story of her dad <gasps> getting stuck in the chimney on Christmas Eve and dying. <laughs> like, so that scene like sticks out to me so much because I watched this movie as a child. Like I watched this, uh, I want to say mid to early elementary school age. And I was sitting there watching it. My dad was kind of just, I don't even know what he's watching. He's just hanging out with me. And I looked over to him at that moment. I said, is that true? Is Santa not real? <gasps> and my dad pauses, looks to my mom and says, should we tell him? And I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> so, so that's how I found out that Santa wasn't real. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Profound moment in my life. That's such uh, a difficult, from an acting point of view, I've used that monologue when we had to do monologues in an acting class once. And it's so hard to do because some of the information is so ludicrous. Yeah. And she plays it so straight and it's so uh, morose and, macabre and i think um again i would need to open up google and, and go down a rabbit hole i think joe dante had a real fight with the studio about keeping that monologue in they were like oh no we don't want this in the film <laughs> he really put his foot down and said no this monologue has to be in the film 
I, th- I saw that too, Dominic. Yeah, I saw that the, that was a fight. Like he, the studio said they weren't sure whether or not it's supposed to be funny or serious. And they just and they felt people would be confused by it. But I'm glad they kept it in. Like it's a good moment for Kate too. like as a monologue, as an actor, like it's it's a good moment for her. It is, it's but it's also – I'm sorry, but it's also a character we saw once and then like 30 minutes <laughs> went by. <laughs> like, that is an insane thing to see about the second time like you like get a chance to hear the character like talk. Because like uh, – yeah, obviously there's like the scene where she's like frantically pouring drinks and stuff, but she's not talking during that. That is – She alluded to it though when when they uh, – when Billy wants to ask her out and, and she's like, God, can't people just not enjoy Christmas? Um so it, it didn't it didn't come out of nowhere for me. Um, but again, oh man, Khalid, I really want to watch Gremlins two with you now, but I don't want to make <laughs> false promises again because they they do a really fun spin on it. They they sort of make it a character trait of hers in the in the second film where they they poke fun at her monologues. It's uh, like she just has a bunch of them. No, she she starts off. Uh, Someone mentions something about Abraham Lincoln, and then she goes off like, "Oh God, oh God, don't mention Abraham Lincoln." <laughs> I remember, and you can see all the other characters sort of roll their eyes and be like, "Oh no, like this is this is one of her things." Um, That's so I, it's it's such a good monologue. That's a it's a good it's a good moment. Okay. Yes. Uh, that that all you're doing is making me so interested in watching Gremlins too. Like, I kind of wish I could just stop talking now and go watch it. But um, the other thing I will say is that her her defense was weird though. And like, he asked her why she didn't like Christmas. She's like, oh, no one ever says that about President's Day or or like Arbor Day or whatever. And I'm like. That would be weird too if you just like went around telling people you hated President's Day. Like people are gonna have follow-up questions regardless of the holiday. I feel like you're missing the point. Oh um, yeah. Oh my god, this movie is so insane. I forgot about that speech until you told me, and it's now great. I have to marry that with the fact that Joe Dante specifically is the reason you don't believe in Santa Claus. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just like not even because like I know Chris Columbus wrote it, but but you telling me that Joe Dante insisted on it making the final cut tells me that he specifically is to blame for that. That's so funny. I really want to like talk to him, interview him someday, <laughs> and just tell him that. Like if we ever get him on this podcast, that would be a, I would I would enjoy telling him that. What if he's just like, and I did it for that reason. I knew about you, Joe. That's probably I- why parents were mad and like <laughs> why they had to do PG thirteen because they're like, now my kid doesn't believe in Santa. <laughs> For me, it's just like, that's like the least shocking part of that whole conversation. <laughs> I know I grew up like a Muslim kid or whatever. So like, I just always took it for granted that everybody knew Santa wasn't real. But like the messed up part is like him breaking his neck. Like that's what like yeah. shocked me and made my jaw fall. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't, I hadn't considered that a kid that might believe in Santa Claus would see it. That's <laughs> Wow. That's on me. So anyway, that was mine. But uh, do you two have a particular scene that really stands out as just like oh, that was, you know, either very memorable or very awesome or very exciting or very like badass or something? What's that uh, that scene for you? Dominic, why don't you go first? Gosh, there are so many. There are like so many little pockets of highlights, like the the snowplow going through the Futtermans <laughs> oh, and... Yeah. Mrs. Deagle going through the window. I love the carol singing. Um, I love all the the bar montage. I love Snow White. I love Gizmo's little baby. Um, mm-hmm. And the the 
you know, the one-on-one, I put in quotation marks, fight scene with Stripe at the end. It's, it's just, uh, it's just a magical film for me. Um, you know, I, I remember any time I would see a poor, actually, cause we don't have the YMCA in, uh, in England. Um, but then when I saw it, uh, when I moved to America and I have a YMCA right on the corner here, I'm like, the YMCA! and then I just got excited that that's where Stripe jumped into a pool and <laughs> spawned other gremlins. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just a, such an informative film for me. I think sense of humor wise, uh, it, it, it informed a, just a lot of who I am as a person, I think. Oh man. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's awesome. And for the record that I was going to pick the YMCA pool scene, actually. Uh, <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, I, I think the like, I don't know. I, I obviously like they're all the scenes that you named that are awesome. And I like probably got more enjoyment out of them in terms of like laughing and everything. But the, the pool scene was just executed so well, where it's just like, you already see how much havoc like six of them like caused when they were going out and about. So like to have him jump into the pool and then all those lights come up and it's just bubbling and like, it's all practical. So like, just, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've got like CGI fatigue where like I'm giving like extra points when I see something that's like very clearly done in room and it looks so cool. Um, cool. So yeah, the pool one really stood out for me. That one was so great. Those are great choices. I love Dominic that your association with first time seeing YMCA is this movie. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We should, uh, we should move into like the specific monster element of the movie. But before we, that (coughs) I wanted to do a quick, uh, like fun fact, shout out to the Mr. Wing character, the, the old Chinese man who, uh, um, uh, had the, the Mogwai initially is actually played by the veteran Chinese actor, uh, key luke who's how you pronounce it and uh he's known for like charlie chan films and like the tv series kung fu very storied career in china but uh i thought this was kind of interesting i thought you guys might find this cool or maybe you already know this that he was uh he he's an artist and he created most of the murals in the t the now tlc uh, tcl chinese theater whoa yeah wow my goodness i didn't know that that's so great yeah i thought that was pretty cool so that, that that guy he was cool. Huh. I liked him. Like he, we only saw so little of him, but like he really just like commanded the screen. And I, I'll be honest, like you tell me it's an '80s movie that has to deal with like a uh, Chinese mysticism, I get a little nervous. But I think they did a really good job of like not making him a caricature, uh, probably because he had so short a screen time to begin with. But like he seemed like just like a very cool, well-rounded character for as little of him as we saw. He's getting. I think is he getting a whole animated spinoff on on hbo max the yeah. secret of the i was just gonna i was just saying the secrets of mogwai is a is a new op, uh our we had felicia on the guest felicia ho was a uh, writing on that too awesome um, that was uh uh i think it might have already i don't know if it already aired but it's uh it's supposed to be an animated i haven't heard of it it might not be that. out yet yeah but it's supposed to be an animated series about him when he was young and it has a really cool like voice cast lineup wow I mean, yeah. I'm intrigued. I, that's a that's a way to spin out the world that I'm interested in. Agreed. Let's also, see. props to Felicia Ho. Uh, always on, always doing the cool projects. Right. I know we gotta get her back on sometime too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, should we should we monster it up? Let's monster.
So, uh, Dominic, what we do when we talk about the monsters is I'll, I'll uh, give a little details about like the in-canon details of the creatures that we're talking about specifically. And then we'll talk a little bit about the behind-the-scenes like VFX creation process just to kind of dig into that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's uh, I'll start with uh, so the Mogwai. We're, uh, they're considered rare uh, sapient beings that are furry, cute, and very curious. But they can ultimately transform into these reptilian, highly destructive creatures that are known as gremlins through this like, pupil state. They kind of get get these eggs. They almost reminded me of, like the alien movies a little bit with the eggs. Mm. Yeah, and then and then Khalid, you mentioned early on the three rules to to keep them from becoming the gremlins. Um, but I found this kind of interesting. So in Cantonese, Mogwai does mean devil or demon. So, so, sounds like they should have learned some Cantonese. Yeah, it sounds like they, they should have figured that out. Um, <laughs> there was a, in a, I don't know if it's considered canon at this point, but there was a novelization from the writer George Gype or Jipe. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but uh, a novelization of the first film. And in in his novelization, he implies that the, Mog- the Mogwai were created on an extraterrestrial planet by a scientist named Mog Termen as the ultimate organi- organism. Uh, and then they were created to be able to survive in almost any every environment and also reproduce very easily. They're then sent to three planets. Um, and then due to several of his miscalculations, only one in 10,000 turned out good and affectionate. The other ones turned out more malicious and evil. So as we see, like that, that's how I like the, the, the ones that came out of gizmo, like kind of had villainous motives, even when they were cute still. Um, and anyway, so it, according to his, story they uh um burned into legends and folklore of our ancestors as pixies and goblins of fables so that's the novelization explanation for where gremlins came from and did you guys oh, know I that do not like that at all i don't love it either it's it's too complicated i don't like the alien element of it i like Neither it just being like a thing a thing that just exists yeah it's uh-huh. like a fa- i thought yeah. it was like a fantastical creature of earth you know it's yeah. Like the, yeah the world's a big place these are little guys they could have been around so that then takes it too close to. Uh, have you guys seen Critters? Yeah, no. I was thinking, yeah, that's like Critters vibes. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Critters is like one of the many like small, uh, small little creatures, like kind of knockoff movies that came out after Gremlins. Um, and there's like four or five Critters movies, but it has a. Uh, Khalid, you know Scott Grimes from the Orville is is a kid mm-hmm. star in that one. Who's Scott Grimes in the? He's a uh, Gordon. Oh, the the cat the pilot. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh. It's when he was a kid, he stars in Critters. Oh, that sounds adorable. Yeah, it's um, okay. Crit- Critters does sound like a straight-up knockoff. Like, if you just told me it was a movie <laughs> called Critters and asked me what it was about, I'd be like, is it like a Gremlins knockoff? Yeah, it basically is, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, no, that, that's it's a, it's a alien. Yeah, I don't like the alien element. So yeah, don't don't read the novel, guys. More than the alien thing, I don't like the... I hate whenever they always do like the... And every time people in the past were talking about vampires or fairies or something, they were talking about this thing. It's just like... For me, it's just like you're, you're, you're trying too hard at that point when you're like trying to like reverse engineer history or lore like that. I, I also didn't like it when they did it in the matrix. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Dominic being a big fan of this, do you know anything about so any of the behind the, the scenes effects at all? Uh, no, not too much. Um, I mean, I've watched all the, the, uh, extra features on the, the Blu-ray disc and how they built the, the stages on platforms and they had all the puppeteers yeah. underneath. Um, what I do love uh, about the DVD commentary is that Zach Gallagher, um almost every single scene, 
I think it's him and Phoebe Cates and they're chatting about things and almost every single scene he would just say I just remember it being really cold that day and every <laughs> every single scene is like I remember it being cold that day um and then I think when they talk about the Dory's Tavern he's like I remember it being hot that day um, <laughs> but yeah just just doesn't remember the specifics but does remember the temperature but I I do remember seeing all the puppeteers underneath the ground and then um I think when all the gremlins are are running down the corridor in the movie theater, they they sort of put them on the pedals of a bike so that they would all look like they're running in different sinks. Um, oh! And then in the movie theater, um, you know, they they had one puppeteer, I think, for every five puppets, and and then sort of composited them. But I'm sure you know more, Joe. I'm sure you've gone down a hole. No, that's uh, you actually got a lot of good pieces. I, I was I was imagining you'd probably watch the extra features, given like you're a you're a physical media guy like me, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that stuff. I'm all about the the Blu-ray special features. Um, I did I did get a little bit of research into some of the uh, like the actual like creature design. So Chris Wallace was the lead like VFX supervisor and designer, which who we've actually talked about on the podcast before. Done a lot of classic movies but so there's numerous small rubber puppets some were mechanical were used to portray gizmo and the other gremlins um they also created and used like some marionettes although joe dante said he didn't like the scenes that were used the marionettes marionette puppets they they he liked the regular puppets um but other effects that they used required like large mogwai faces and ears to be produced for like the close-ups like when they're eating the chicken like all up close they had to like create like big food for that um because the puppets themselves were less capable of conveying the emotions up close um they uh they also had an enlarged version of gizmo puppet that was needed for the scene when he first gets touched by the water and multiplies so like that whole thing and the new mogwai who popped out of gizmo's body as like the furry balls they were like these balloons um that uh that the the puppeteers like expanded underneath that like table um he uh Wallace also noted that he created the exploding gremlin in the microwave by means of a balloon that was allowed to burst. So that was kind of interesting. Oh, too. wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how much do you guys think the uh, puppets cost? Like one of the one of the gremlins puppet cost by, back then. Back then? Yeah. Like the ones uh, they used for the movie or? Yeah. The ones they used for the movie. Oh, those are always super expensive because like they're like very specific prototypes. Right I want to say for that time, I'm going to say eight thousand dollars for one, right? Yeah. Okay, Dominic, what do you think? Oh my gosh, uh, I'm going to say fifteen. Price right. is right in me. You price is right in me, Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> Each gremlin cost, gremlin uh, animatronic cost between thirty and forty thousand dollars. Oh boy. Yeah, and uh, they the Zach Zach Galligan actually said in an interview that uh, they would the security would have to check everyone's trunks in their cars to make sure one one of the animatronic wasn't stolen because how expensive they were. That's crazy because oh, wow. that makes sense though because like I worked on a commercial uh, for that Baby Yoda doll that I uh, got yeah. for your daughter, um, which we love. Yeah, but like when I was talking to him, I was uh, to the um, the reps from Mattel, and I was like, "Oh yeah, my uh, my my friend has a daughter. Like she would love one of these." And he was like, "Okay, we can get you one, but not the one in this commercial because that is a prototype, and that's I think he said it was like twenty five G's for it." Oh. And 
I was just like, yeah, definitely don't give me that one. I would be, I'm, I'd be terrified to hold it. Um, we don't need one that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if I got you that? <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know if I should let her touch it. <laughs> why? You'd just be like, why? <laughs> um, no, but that makes that makes sense. But it's still very shocking, especially when you think about what like forty grand was like yeah. amounted to back then. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy to think that that's how expensive it was. But yeah, that was a. I thought that was a very interesting fun fact. Wow. Um, do you guys know uh, who provided the voices for the Gremlins? Um, no. Oh, yes, I do know some of these. I'm sure you know this. Um, Howie Mandel is Gizmo, yep. right? Whoa. Yep. And then does Frank Welker come into play? Frank Welker was Stripe, yeah. Yeah, he's the voice of Megatron. Uh, I'm a big Transformers guy, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's I, a yeah, storied voice actor, yeah. Yeah. Um, they have, so they also had, uh, and you might, you might already know this, Dominic, but they had, um, uh, Peter Cullen did some background voices too, who did Optimus. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. I love Peter Cullen too. Yeah. And, um, who else? Michael Winslow. Do you guys know who that is? Yeah. I know mm-hmm. Michael Winslow. He's yeah, the police the, academy guy. Yeah. Police academy. The sound effect guy. He did yeah. a bunch of, he did a bunch of the background effects for the gremlins. And they also got the guy who does Porky Pig to do some too. Huh. huh. So a lot of interesting voice actors that were just like doing like background voices so like the main two were frank welker and and howie mandel though that's when we hear the most ah i always forget that howie mandel did voice acting even though i grew up on bobby's world (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) good reference yeah oh that show that show ruled his head was so big Uh, big. (laughs) oh man wow that's so interesting though dominic like i I don't do you think maybe like subconsciously like kid dominic like when he was watching these back to back like made the connection i don't think so because the the disparity between the voices is is so it's so big but wild now to think that i traded out transformers the movie and gremlins week after week and was just on a Peter Cullen, Frank Welker, kick, just paying their residual checks. <laughs> you got them their second homes. Yeah, um, but I love, I love, I think Frank Welker uh, pops up as Nibbler in Futurama, <gasps> and I love that he just does all these little like, <laughs> like just noises that that yeah. you know another voice actor might be like, no, I will only. <laughs> I will only voice characters with gravitas and depth. And Frank Welker's like, yep, sign me up. Wow. And Nibbler is such a just like, it's very gremlin-esque, you know, the character. So that's uh-huh. so cool that, that Frank Welker is playing him. Wow, that's that's really cool. And I love Nibbler. So now I'm officially, I was, I guess, apparently for a long time a Frank Welker fan, but I can now say it. Yeah. I think he also voiced like, I don't know if you guys watch it, but I sometimes with the kids, the Curious George show. I think he does Curious George, the monkey noises in that too. Wow. Yeah, he's I think all, his he's IMDb yeah. is like 700 credits deep. He's, I'm, he's, yeah, I'm looking at it. It's huge. A machine. He's in everything. Wow. He's great. Um, speaking of machines, Khalid. Ew. Oh, wait, uh, no, this is the Four Bears. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, bears have often been compared to machines, Khalid. Let, uh, that's a segue to the Four Bears test. I would apologize for ruining your segue, but we both know that's not possible. Um, You're always great. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You're infamous for it. Um, 
Yeah, for Bear's Test. Uh, Dominic, I don't know if you we told you about it when you were on last time, but um, basically it is a thought experiment that I like to do uh, with the monster that we're talking about. And I just ask a dumb little question. Uh, what would happen if you replace the monster that we're talking about with four bears? Uh, does it change the narrative? If so, how? Um, it's just a fun little question I like to ask. So with this one, um, <clears throat> do four bears make it make as much trouble as what ended up being like a legion of gremlins in that town. I do think that coupled with how reckless the cops are and just like inept um, and how it seems like everybody's just like so preoccupied with Christmas or personal stuff or whatever. I do think that four bears could do a lot of damage, maybe not as much as the gremlins did. And they also don't have uh, a, just like freaky electric rewiring skills. So like uh, the kills would be different, but I guess like strength wise for bears is probably as like physically strong as these uh, gremlins were all together. Um, but no, no, now that I say it, the mischief, the mischievousness is a part of it. Like that's the only reason all that happens. And like, we're just talking about regular bears. So it's a fail just because bears aren't like precocious, I guess. You bring up the cops though again. Like I forgot about that. Like yeah, the, co- the it's you, a back to back with Barbarian. That's interesting. Yeah. For and me. you take you also you take like like you said take the four bears would probably do similar damage. Like those cops just see the just see like a guy running around running out with like the gremlins and they just they're like we got to go we leave and they just ditch <laughs> they just ditch. I imagine if they saw four bears they just ditch too. <laughs> in their defense, it's four bears, Joe, and also in their defense, it's gremlins, Joe. Fair. Did you recognize young Jonathan Banks? I did. I, I mean, how could I not? It's Jonathan Banks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see him. I love whenever I sh- he pops up in older older movies. It's so fun. He does that a lot. I mean, he's in like a lot of random stuff back then. Yeah. I mean, you're, he was just a working actor is the thing. Like, it sounds weird to us, but like, we're just talking about a guy that, <laughs> that we personally didn't notice until he was like in his 60s. Great point. Arguably, everybody who's acting does that, right? Or just in things. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Judge Reinhold yeah. of it all. Like, I could yeah. be shocked that I saw him, but like, realistically, like, no, he was a working actor. Even Dominic's in things. Yeah. Speaking of that. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love watching <laughs> films that I haven't seen for a long time or going back to to films from the 90s and being like, oh, my God, look, look who it is. Or I did uh, during COVID, I did an X-Files rewatch and, you know, just been like, oh, my gosh, there's there's Jack Black and there's Ryan Reynolds. And there's like it, it's so fun to to catch people on the rise um, or their first kind of roles. I love that. Yeah. X-Files is a great one for that, too. Sopranos too. Like there's like a couple arrested development actors in it. Like it's just it's just like a grab bag of like people before they just like hit it big. Uh-huh. Um I I I just had a thought. I never mind. You can keep going. Keep going. I forgot it. Khalid, do you remember Judge Re- Judge Reinhold's like mock, bit in, or in a mock trial with Judge Reinhold? Yeah, in Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, the honorable and the, Judge Reinhold. The pu- the puppet. The, my name is Judge. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's the other thing I know Judge Reinhold from. I I, I excluded it earlier. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, um, I don't have anything to latch on to, Khalid, but uh, I'm going to ask you now. Speaking of latching on to things, 
Thank you, Khalid. You're welcome. Would you, uh, our other, Khalid's other silly bit, Dominic, is called Fight or Flirt. Take it from here, Khalid. <laughs> yeah, I Dominic. I didn't answer the full bears. <laughs> oh, I said, I said, it, I said it wouldn't pass because bears aren't mischievous. Like, oh, but be- oh, I thought that I had to give input on the full. Oh, I, sorry, I, 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 we, I think we got sidetracked. I usually do ask you guys. I oh, asked yeah, you Joe, do, yeah, jerk. You, you're um, the one that transitioned us. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, um, I'm the real jerk here. I, um, yeah. I wouldn't enjoy it as much with forebears because, I mean, just that opening scene with the the mom in the kitchen stabbing bears and putting a bear in a microwave would not would not fly for me i can't do animals in peril mm-hmm. in films uh agreed gremlins i can handle because you know they're puppets and and they're fantastical beings but i i couldn't watch i couldn't watch that go down i hadn't even considered that but yes that would be a of completely different and graphic sequence if she had to fight her way out of a house full of bears yeah um yeah, i'd be on the bear side i'd be like go bears and I do think that like a lot of what they can get away with is also size specific, you know, um, even though there is a lot of them and like when they're together, they're harder to miss. Um, so much of what they do get away with is because they're small and can fit into like little like nooks and crannies. Like, you know, a bear isn't going to hide in the Christmas tree and then jump out at you. So you can try, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to put any, uh, aspiring bears, uh, down. If you want to try it, go for it. Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I sidetracked you again. No, no uh, what's worries. your second silly bit? <laughs> silly bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my second silly bit, thank you, Dominic, is called Fight or Flirt. And that's that's exactly what it sounds like. Would I fight or flirt with the monsters? Now, I do want to introduce a new uh, addendum or amendment, I guess is probably the right word for that. The, a new amendment to Fight or Flirt. Uh, specifically because this one and this one, we're talking about uh, what are functionally one day year old uh, animals that are very childlike the whole time. Mm-hmm. I personally don't want to do a whole like, what would my relationship with a one day old be like? So to artfully sidestep that in lieu of Fight or Flirt, I want to introduce uh, Check Yourself or Pet Yourself. You know? Oh, interesting. Okay. So would I keep it as a pet or would I check it? Um, in this case, uh, check it, meaning fight it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, che- uh, in this case, uh, it's interesting because like, yeah, with the Mogwai uh, specifically, you have like this like very cute, delightful animal that if you follow these three admittedly hard rules, we live on a planet that's like, what, like 90% water or something insane like that. So like saying, get it, keep it away from water is a big ask, but like, even if like you take that aside and like accept the rules as is, and it's like a pretty cool comp uh, pet if you have it like that, I personally would always be considering that it's gonna change on me for one reason or another. Um, I'm also a little careless, so like I'd probably accidentally leave like the blinds open and uh, the sun would just destroy it one day. So that keeps me from wanting to keep it as a pet. But even more than that, um, if it's like a survival thing, um, and I'm and it's like. Oh, like it's in my best interest to keep it as a pet because like they could kill me. That doesn't even sway me because like I imagining a life with them as my pets is annoying for one specific reason. They're all way funnier than me. Um, I know like what I bring to, to a relationship. I think I've said this a few times, actually. I'm getting deja vu. But like 
I bring the humor and the charm and like the levity, you know? So like when you're talking about like an entire like Looney Tunes cast of creatures that like are always doing awesome, hilarious things like smoking cigars and like pretending to cheat at poker to shoot each other. Like I just, I I can't keep up with that. And I don't, it's too late in my life personally to try and like become like the, the studious one or like the guy that can like build stuff with his hands. I'm not going to, I'm not going to change up this late in the game. So just on a sheer insecurity level, I would have to check them versus pet them. Interesting. Khalid, you, you did a good job with that one. I like that. That was fun. I legit thought about it as I was watching it. Like I just, it kept coming up in my head every time they do something like these guys are so funny. And then I just like, (laughs) And then I just got insecure and I was like, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, what about you guys? Check them or pet them? Dominic, how about you? What do you think? Oh, I would pet them. <laughs> I should have guessed. <laughs> no, question. no question. No question. I love, I I mean, I have five cats and, you know, they're not gremlins level, but they're, they're all pretty mischievous and they have the zoomies in the night and, you know, when they're kittens, they're running up curtains and knocking stuff off shelves. And I kind of, uh, I, I love, I love animals with personality. Um, and gremlins have personality. And even if you, you know, had it as a mogwai and you accidentally fed it after midnight, then, you know, it's like, oh, well, it changed. Uh, <laughs> and, I think the hardest thing would be finding pet sitters when you go out of town. Just be like, okay, here's the thing. In the basement, <laughs> there is a creature. Um, but I think you could have, I think one gremlin on its own, because they, you know, they're, they're, they're mischievous and they interact with you as a, a human being. I think one gremlin on its own you could handle. You that's could a handle a few of them. The mother proved that. Like, that's the other reason. Oh, I, I don't mean like to kill, but I mean like <laughs> you could, you could, I feel like you could hang out with a gremlin. You could throw on a movie with a gremlin sitting next to you on the couch. And as long as there was chaos and destruction on the screen, that gremlin would be having a good time. Oh, was, a was, film. You could was, sit down and just watch a Disney film with a gremlin and he'd be like laughing about the death of Mufasa and. You know, I think it'd be a good time. No, I agree. And it was definitely like I like audibly went awe when they were watching that movie together and like they both fall asleep on the bed. That was so cute. No, that was. Yeah. So I get it. I get the impulse to want to keep him as a pet. And I even and that's fair. You know, I think that uh, what we're discovering here is that like um, Dominic is a lot more secure in himself and his personhood that he can have a hilarious pet and not be bothered by it i think that's all we really discovered here though yeah i think so uh what about you joe i assume pet i think so i think the only thing that i had i would have reservations of having like small children right now like i don't want them to like accidentally spill water on it but uh i i think that i i mean i feel like we have the cat we have a cat and and we've trained i'd let the baby specifically to use open hand pets right away and so i feel like it could be a really good like you know learning experience like you can't give it water can't be after midnight although uh, like i have questions about the midnight thing but anyway i think i would go with pet i, I have questions I, about that too is it I like would, time zone que- specific when does it end yeah is it time zone oh, specific boy. and how long you know this dominic All sounds right. like someone needs to watch gremlins too <laughs> oh my gosh it's explained in two I, can't, I don't remember anything about two you're like the best gremlins to salesman ever. Like the fact oh, that man. it's like answering all these like questions of mine and I'm it so answers, hyped. It doesn't answer them, but it, it, it makes 
uh, what's so great about it is it makes fun of itself. And so there are these characters that are like, well, wait, what happens if there's a gremlin on a plane and it crosses the time zone? Or what happens if a gremlin has a piece of food stuck in his teeth so it doesn't eat a full meal before midnight? But um, it, 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 it's really... I think, um, Joe, you might have gone down a rabbit hole on, on some Gremlins 2 stuff, but I, I don't think originally Joe Dante wanted to do a Gremlins 2. And then he said, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it the wackiest, the wackiest, like, unfilmable thing that, that there ever could possibly, like, it's not a traditional sequel at all. No. Um, it's like a parody of sequels, kind of. Yeah, but it's so wonderful. So, Khalid, I would say to you, go watch Gremlins 2, and then immediately afterwards, go watch the Key and Peele sketch about mm-hmm. how they came up with the gremlins for gremlins 2 Ooh, there's a key and peel sketch this gets better and better this is the gift yeah. that keeps on giving i might honestly i might convince the roomies to watch it tonight yeah do it oh my gosh you please you're you're making it really hard not to <laughs> want to watch it immediately they also got do all the it. cast back for two like everyone comes back i think um from yeah one. even mr wing yeah mr wing's back also they added judge like, reinhold does he get uh, closer i don't know if he's in there no but you got there. christopher lee in there christopher lee john Ooh. glover wow yeah uh, who else is it robert does, picardo does glenn turman get come back who uh the science teacher oh i don't i think the science teacher died did he die yeah, he i died. couldn't i couldn't tell I if, he died, he died. if it killed him or not okay. he didn't seem very alive that's fair. Yeah, it's too bad. R.I.P. Terman. He's yeah. the dude from Cooley High. Did you recognize him? Oh, I didn't. That was him. Yeah. The the main the main guy. The the teacher, the black guy. Yeah, he's the main guy in Cooley High. Yeah. Oh, dope! I didn't recognize. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I if you, I mean I I did notice that he felt like he was doing like a significant amount with like a small role. So that that's, that would explain a bit. Oh yeah, because like he has to because like they'd already shown the multiplication thing, and I'm sure like that cost a lot to try him and do one. So like the second time when the uh, the kid's showing it to him, he's just like it's all in his reaction, and he is doing so much with his eyes. He's very expressive. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Do you guys have any uh, last thoughts about Gremlins or any Gremlins points you want to make? Um, I don't. But give me two seconds to kick my cat out. He is. Oh, meowing. I wasn't sure which one of you had the cat. Yeah, he's meowing a storm. Let me just get him out of my room real quick. Yeah, it's not mine this uh, time either. I don't. I don't think I have any other. I don't think I have any other thoughts or point. I just love. I love it so much. I would. I would murder for a Gremlins three. <laughs> is there not a Gremlins three? Uh, no. there's not, and they they keep like. There's a deadline article that circles around like every four or five years that like Gremlins three script is ready um, and nothing yeah. ever happens. But oh, my gosh, I would kill for a Gremlins three. I'm putting it in the universe right now that we will see you in Gremlins three one day. Oh, my gosh. Yes. When, when there is a project that that I want to be involved in, I uh, I am pretty doggedly determined. And if there was going to be a for certain a Gremlins three. Oh, boy. I would I would be putting myself out, out out there. I can only imagine what you would bring to that universe, but like I just having seen you and other stuff, like you would fit in so seamlessly and like it just it would be so cool and full circle for you. I'll take it. Is this an <laughs> offer of employment? Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. We're ah, doing, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you on set. <laughs> um well actually uh you, you mentioned a, a little earlier on uh, about Joe Dante. Um 
he i was listening to another podcast i i got a, a on my imdb page a little notification thing about a news article um and i was like what is this and i guess joe dante is a guest on a podcast or has a podcast and um he had mentioned me in feud he must have seen feud and was like oh my god that guy that played victor buono um yeah. So then I was, my heart nearly exploded in my chest. I was like, oh my God, Joe Dante, Joe Dante said nice things about my work. Oh. Um, which was really just, uh, just everything to me. There might've been tears. That's, That's so phenomenal. Cool. That's oh, so congrats. exciting. Congrats, buddy. That's so cool. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's big. The big leagues here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. We well uh um so we have one last segment of the podcast Dominic that we do uh it's called uh um <clears throat> what the fandom. What the fan? I said it I said it normal. Yeah, I usually say it with that, a voice. Though? I usually say it with a weird voice. I usually go ah what the fandom. I don't know why I said it normal. <laughs> but anyway, that's what it is. And what the fandom uh we each just share something that we're like into in the moment whether that's like reading, uh watching, listening to just like anything that we're like into right now that may or may not have anything to do with the movie we talked about or monsters in general, just something that we thought we wanted to plug or share uh, that listeners might enjoy just checking out. So um, we'll let you take a moment to think Dominic and, and Khalid and I will go first. So uh, Khalid, um, what the fandom with you this week? Thanks for asking Joe. Uh, my, what the fandom this week is going to be the movie confess Fletch. Uh, it came out earlier this year and I believe it's available on Paramount plus for free right now. Um, I would never seen any of the original Fletch movies uh, starring Chevy chase, but um, I'd always assumed it was just like a, like a bumbling, like detective kind of thing, like in the vein of pink Panther or something like that. And just didn't really have the interest in it. Uh, and then uh, John Hamm ended up taking over the role and doing like a James Bond, like kind of continuance thing. I don't think it's supposed to be like a full on reboot or anything, but um, I liked it. I threw it on kind of on a whim. And also like, I'm, I'm a John Hamm fan, like more casual than most, but I still, I'm a fan of his and I like Roy Wood Jr. Who plays a big role in the movie. And um, yeah, just the news around it and like the reviews I was getting for it were like all pretty good. So I threw it on and I'm with the consensus. Like it's, it's, it's a good, fun, pleasant movie. Like I won't try to oversell it or anything. It's not the greatest thing ever, but it's a fun little pulpy, like noirish story. Uh, Fletch himself is not actually a detective. He's like a reporter or something, which like, I didn't know that, but like, I like that better than detective. Um, and John, ham just like really just like does a good job with the tone again like i don't have the other movies as reference but like the tone that this movie uh executed with was like a lot better it was um it was it was fun and funny but like it was more amusing than anything else and in a good way so yeah uh that's my recommendation check out confess fletch it's a fun little like way to kill an afternoon or a fun little movie to watch at night on a date or something but yeah check it out guys um joe uh what the fandom with you thanks for asking khalid uh i uh haven't we we've all the shows and stuff that we've been watching we've kind of wrapped up so i haven't started anything really new yet but uh i will say the one thing that we've been consistently watching week to week lately has been uh and it just came back out of a small hiatus is star trek prodigy i wanted to give a shout out to that it's uh it's an animated one of the animated star trek shows and it's um I feel like it's less uh, buzz buzzy, like buzzword, like 
the other shows get a lot of like publicity and stuff. And this one does too, but I feel like it's kind of the one that not everybody is watching as much because it's definitely aimed at kids and it's like introducing Star Trek ideals to like a, a like a new generation of fans. Um, and I think that's, but that's been really cool to watch for me just to see like, how do they break down things like the prime directive or like Starfleet ideals and how they break that down in a, a digestible way for like a kid watching to understand that in a different way. And so they're do, they're doing that in that show and it's, it's really cool. The animation is like evocative of like this, uh, like Star Wars rebels and clone wars and stuff. So it's kind of that vibe. But uh, but the stories are really good. And since it's come back from hiatus, there's been three episodes and they've honestly been like banger after banger. Like they brought back some great species and great characters from some old shows. You got some voices, some great voice cast in it. Um, uh, I've I yeah, before you uh, before this started up, I feel like you would ask where Prodigy ranks in my like Star Trek show ranking. And I don't think it would have been very high, but it's definitely climbing that now. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying what they're putting out and. Again, the voice, the voices are great. The voice actors are great. Um, the writing is pretty cool. And the animations, especially like the external ship shots and the planet shots are really, really beautiful. So uh, if, if you're if you're a Star Trek fan or you're an animation fan or just sci fi fan, you're sleeping on Star Trek Prodigy, I would highly recommend it. Really good. It's on uh, Paramount Plus. Nice. Two Paramount Plus recommendations for you. Yeah, um, yeah nice. Uh right. Dominic, uh, what the fandom with you? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, uh, I also love Star Trek Prodigy. I just caught up uh, with the latest episode last night, and you're right. It is. Oh, that latest uh, episode was so good. Yeah, just well, it, it's just ebullient and fun, and I, I love Janeway. Voyager was sort of my first Star Trek show that I watched from pilot to finale, so anytime I get to see Janeway, I'm I'm excited. Um, but I've been, what am I watching at the moment? I'm watching Andor week to week, which is really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's sort of, uh, more grounded and gritty, uh, I think than, than the other Star Wars shows. Um, and I, I think it, it benefit. I, that's the storytelling that I enjoy more is that more sort of grounded approach. Um, and I'm also, starting White Lotus season two, which I'm also really enjoying. Actually, there's a new episode tonight. I'm about to watch that one too. Yep. Right after that. Um, And then I just read a book, uh, Jeanette McCurdy's uh, I'm Glad My Uh, Mom Died. Oh my goodness. How is that? So good. It's so disturbing. Um, Do you want to tell us who Jeanette McCurdy is for those who don't know? Yeah, she was uh, an actress who was in iCarly. Um, I guess it would have been, you know, 2008, 9, 10, uh, around that kind of time when she was a teenager. And, um, you know, she had this stage mom who was with her every step of the way. But, you know, you you start reading the book and you think, oh, okay, yeah, her, her mom's a stage mom and she's a little pushy and she's a little overbearing. And then as each chapter comes along, your, your jaw sort of drops a little further and further and further to be like, holy, holy shit, this is insane. To, to the point where it, it almost becomes unbelievable. And then there's other twists and turns that come later in the book that, that just defy all kinds of logic. Uh, so I would definitely 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 if you're looking for a book to read uh check that out 
I'm gonna get that now. I've been I've been curious about that one, but I iCarly and like Drake and Josh and all those shows back then, like I was all about it, and I was a big fan of her. So when she stopped acting, like it was, I was bummed because she was good. But hearing everything she went through, I understand why she would take a step away from it all. Yeah, it's wild. What a, a wild story. Wow. Um. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. So those are those are our what the fandoms for you this week, folks. Um. Joe, do you have anything else you want to say? No, not much. Great Rex, everybody. I, I just wanted to maybe just give another thanks to Dominic for, for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast again. Oh my gosh. Anytime. I, I love talking about anything about movies or science fiction or shows. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a movie fanatic and uh, I love talking with other movie fanatics as well. Yeah, this is a, always a pleasure. It's super fun. You should just t- email me a list of monsters you like, and we'll just we'll just call you whenever you want to do those those ones. Okay. <laughs> Anytime yeah. you touch Alien, oh, all right. I'm all about Ooh. it. Yeah. Wow, Alien. That's a that's kind of a that's a crown jewel for us. That's a big we one. Yeah. We got to we got to get on that one for sure. We should yeah. make like oh, a big I'll one. Yes. We should give have me, a, give yeah. me an email. <laughs> That's awesome. No, we've been yeah. so excited to have you on since we uh, since we were able to schedule it, um, and it was as awesome as we thought it would be. So thank you, Dominic. Did you? Yeah, thank you. Did you have any? I, I know you mentioned some projects you have coming up, but do you have anything like specifically you want uh, anyone to look out for uh, that that uh, we should look for you on? Maybe coming up in the next couple of weeks, the Apple Show. You said. Uh, what was that uh, called? Yeah, I don't think the Apple Show. I don't think Miss American Pie is going to be out <laughs> until next year. Um, I think next week I I'm popping up on NCIS Los Angeles at some point in the next couple of weeks. All um, right. Nice. And then there's a new Apple show Echo Three that I just pop in for for one scene. Um, that I got to fly to Colombia for in South hmm. America, which was really fine. I've been there before. Um, I think that's it before Christmas, and then uh, there'll be a whole bunch of stuff. I think in in the new year, there'll be a whole bunch of of new stuff coming out. Awesome. All right. We'll definitely look forward to all of those. And uh, we'll link to your social pages and all that stuff in the show notes so people can follow you if they want. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, Thank you all at home for listening to another great episode of Frankenstein's podcast. Until next time, creep it easy. (laughs) 